Not much. It's improvising. Not much. It's improvising. Okay, are you there? Yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's go. Let's do this. Welcome to Translator City Radio. This is your co-host Robert with Zingword.com, where translators get direct customers. You can sign up free at Zingword.com for the launch notification launching this summer. And I'm Gilles Michel, co-host and English and Spanish to French translator, reporting from Argentina. So first up, we're going to talk about rates calculators, uh, two calculators to be specific, one from Pactrans and the other from the American Translators Association. And uh, we'll review them and talk about how translators can manage their finances. And secondly, we'll talk about working while traveling. We'll share a few experiences, give some tips, and hopefully you'll give you a few ideas. Awesome. And then uh, at the end, we're going to close with an interview with uh, Panos, Greek translator and Zingword follower. Uh, music, by the way, is by Yippa, that's happy spelled backwards, uh, from the Ninja Tune label. Uh, go out and get that record if you want to, uh, because we're not paying them to use this, because we can't figure out how to license music. So if Ninja Tune would like to fix that, uh, we are happy to pay. If only the rest of the podcast could be that cool. Uh, so what's up, Jill? Well, you know, the same old, really. I mean, I've been translating um, a big project uh, that's a website for, um, uh, for a cruise line. Actually, they had like 400,000 words. Uh, we, had, we were a whole team, and the, 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 the website, the, the company basically sells cruises all over the world. It's pretty cool, but at the same time, it makes you want to travel, so you don't actually want to work. <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's kind of cool. And uh, so, like, what there is it just, it's all marketing text talking about the amenities you get on the cruises, huh? Yeah, there is that sort of thing. There are descriptions of the of the different ships, uh, all of the excursions you can do at the different ports, and, and yeah, all sorts of things. The prices, the uh, the different packages. Uh, yeah, it's it's good fun, and you learn a lot as well in the process. I mean, it's not a very difficult translation, but it, it's an unknown subject for me. So in that sense, it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's. And cool. how about you? Uh, well, I've had a pretty good, uh, pretty good time here. Um, I'm in the United States uh, right now with family, and uh, well, I've been getting this podcast set up uh, earlier this week, which was kind of fun, uh, messing around with uh, audio formats and microphones and stuff cool. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's cool. It's an exciting to do new project. It is an exciting new project. All right, and. Uh, <laughs> Well, otherwise, uh, I've, I've just been, been working a lot on Zingword. Um, we're putting up some new landing pages. Uh, we published an article at uh, IMC Translations. It's a website um, by Marion Rhodes. Um, so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's still coming out this summer, isn't it? Yes. 
yes, Zingword is still coming out this summer. So for listeners out there, you can sign up for the launch notification, um, but you can't actually start using it or getting customers um, until the summer comes. But uh, Awesome. Yeah. So let's get started with segment one. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, rates calculators. Um, we have two rates calculators that we tried out. Um, the Pack Trans calculator and the, what's it called? Uh, CalPro. CalPro, yeah, the CalPro calculator. US CalPro. US CalPro by the ATA. And, uh, well, I tried the PacTrans calculator and, and you tried the CalPro calculator. So tell me, Jill, how, what does the calculator do and, and how did it go? Basically, um, you have to download an Excel sheet uh, from, the, from the website. I can't remember which website it is, but we can always indicate it on the, on the podcast page. Um, and you have all sorts of different tabs. You have an, well, first you start with the, um, uh, an introduction, which explains uh, all the different things, all the, um, how you should use the tables, what figures you should put, and stuff like that. And then you have to indicate your operating costs. So all the things like uh, software, the, piece, the, the computer you have, uh, all the marketing material that, that you're spending on and things like that. And basically calculates how much you're spending in a year for your business. Then you have another tab where you have to indicate the, the number of hours you work uh, per year. So you have to calculate the, the holidays, uh, the weekends and all, all those things. Uh, then you calculate your current income. Um, Indicating a rough estimate of how many hour, uh, how, how many words you do per hour, how, how much you charge per hour, and that sort of thing. You can there is even something for um, for the income tax. It's all wired around the U.S., but I believe all the um, all the fields you can adapt all the fields for your own right, country right. usually because yeah, and even if something's missing or if there is something that you don't uh, that's not relevant for you, just put zero and, that, and yeah, that that. That's done. And uh, after inputting all this data, uh, it basically allows you to calculate the number of hours you need to work to get to your target income. Or you could also, it also suggests the, the, the per word rate that mm -hmm. you would need to charge in order to get your income right. and all those things. You know what? Uh, I, I bet. Yeah, I just, I bet that translators, a lot of translators that actually use the CalPro calculator and take all the time to fill it out get kind of shocked when they see uh, maybe maybe how messed up things are, <laughs> you know, like if you haven't been charging <laughs> enough and, and then once you actually see the the picture or the reality of your of your situation, it, it might be unpleasant. Oh, yes, there is a, actually um, a graph. Let me check on which page it was. Yeah, on the hours worked per year. Um, one of the it's one of those graphs that's um, that's like a pie, mm -hmm. you know the, the you know the type, and it, it tells you the total hours not worked on working days, and that's that was unexpectedly high. <laughs> oh, hours not worked on working days, yeah, yeah. Even in even in Zingword startup, like uh, I mean, we work a lot of hours, but. It also seems to me like maybe maybe we don't work as many hours as we think we do because we work from home or we, you know, you get into that Indeed, lifestyle yeah. thing. And for translators, uh, there is a lot of time spent on things that don't actually generate any income. 
mm-hmm. like all the invoicing, marketing, and the blogs, and all those things. It, it takes a lot of time, and you don't actually get paid for these things. Yeah. So that that's also part of the of the calculator, which I thought was great. But that, that's what represents this huge segment there. <laughs> right. Hmm. So it doesn't mean that you're not actually working. It's just that the work you're you're um, you're doing doesn't generate any income, which well right. is an issue. It's worth knowing about. <laughs> well, marketing should theoretically generate an income, right? In in theory. Well, <laughs> yeah, of course. But how do you put a number on this? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, well, some businesses can put a number on it, but those those businesses have like really, you know, elite tools, so they know where every lead came from and how much it closed for and how much it was worth over a year or two years or three years. But I I don't think translators have that. <laughs> no, probably not in most cases. And yeah, uh, what was the name of the tool you tried? Uh, I tried the Pactrans tool. Uh, it's by a company called Pactrans in New Zealand, and uh, okay, yeah. So it was uh, it was not so sophisticated like your Excel sheet. Um, I guess the first thing to note is that it didn't work, um, but oh. I think maybe it would work on someone else's computer. I don't know. It's it's it runs in your browser, so it's just on their website. Um, there's okay. this really long blog post and at the bottom you can find a calculator and you can just uh, type in three things um, you can type in your sort of like your annual expected earnings um, well and there's some additional things but basically you can type in your earnings you can type in your volume so uh, the words uh, per day or per hour or etc that that you can do right uh, and then you can type in your price. And uh, basically, you leave one of those three empty, and you type in the other two, and it gives you the third, right? So you can, based on your earnings and your volume, you can figure out your price, um, or based on your volume that's, and your price. What's that? That sounds like a basic. That sounds like a basic proportion sort of. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is, it was like when I did it, I thought, wow, that's pretty basic. You know, this is the sort of thing that I usually do on a napkin, like back of the napkin numbers, like, uh, you know, because I've worked in translation for a long time, too. So when I'm figuring this stuff out, I just, uh, you know, write it out because it only takes a second. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, then we we were talking just right before the show, and I kind of thought that made sense where, you know, maybe there are translators who are really into the into the Excel sheet thing, the CalPro, which is, you know, because you're a former accountant. For listeners of the show, Jill is a former accountant (laughs) Um, turned translator. Well, yeah, I was an accountant assistant. I never did the full uh, studies to become a proper accountant, Ah. but I got the the, the base of the the study, basically. Right. Well, it's in your DNA a little bit, maybe. Yeah, it is. Cool, cool. so, but you know, then there are other translators who probably don't don't want to use such a sophisticated tool or might feel uncomfortable or or you know there there might be other translators who are just really bad at managing and planning their their finances, you know, cuz and there's Indeed. you know, that's a bummer, but there's nothing wrong with it. There's people that that have a harder time with that than others, you know. So maybe th- such a simple calculator could be pretty useful for for someone who was uh, not very good at 
at calculating that stuff. Or even for, for people who are new to the industry, I mean, that way they would know how much to charge. And yeah, it might even give them a few ideas because, uh, I mean, it has all the categories already preset. So, for example, uh, they're already filled with a few, uh, suggested number. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's not a recommended number, but it's like a, an, it's to give an idea. Yeah. And so it might give you, by, by even downloading the, the, the calculator itself, it might give you an idea of how much would be reasonable to spend on software and marketing material and things like that. And right. if you're starting in the industry, you have absolutely no information whatsoever on that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty cool too, because uh, like I do not budget for my computer, for example. Like I just never mm -hmm. have budgeted for the purchase of my own laptop. Now, to be fair, my laptops last like five years, but uh, but I've never budgeted for that, and I probably right. should. Um, well, there's another thing I was thinking of too, um, and I actually wrote it down, is that okay. I don't totally. I mean, I I understand that that these tools can be used to theoretically sort of come up with your ideal price, right? Um, yeah. But it does depend a little bit on your language pairs. It depends on the content you translate, on the clients you have. And I, I guess that there are um, decisions that you can make career-wise that can help you achieve those goals that you, you know, came up with in the spreadsheet. It may not mean that you can just start charging those rates immediately, right? Of course, of course. But, I mean, it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, you can't make any, any big decisions just based on the, on the calculations it makes for you. Uh, but it's something I think translators should use to, to have a better idea of their finances. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, let's go on to segment number two today. Uh, we're going to talk about travel, um, specifically traveling while working. Uh, in all of its many facets. Uh, it's going to be a brief conversation because uh, it's a segment, um, but hopefully we'll come up with some good tips for translators who want to travel and work. Uh, so uh, what, what do you think, Jill? Like, uh, what have your experiences been traveling and working? Well, whenever I travel, uh, I usually, it depends on why you're traveling, but I've been in the, I've been working from the UK, from Argentina, from Colombia, and a bit in Switzerland. Uh, what I'm going to say is that when you're traveling to visit family, uh, don't expect to work much on the first few days. <laughs> yeah, man, traveling to visit family is like a whole other segment we could do. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, it always caught me by surprise because, for example, uh, right now I'm in Argentina, and I have been here for the past two years now. And whenever I would travel to Switzerland, I always go with the intention of working at least a little bit, even the first few days. But that never happens. Uh, let's be realistic. Uh, people will want to see you. They'll want to have drinks with you. Uh, you're not going to do any work at least the first few days. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I wonder how many translators out there are, you know, any one of our 10 or 15 listeners uh, are expats, you know, because I think there's a lot of translators who are expats. It comes naturally with the job, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. we focus on languages, on foreign cultures, so usually we fall in love with that culture and we move there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Huh. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's the same for me. Traveling and visiting family is, uh, is it's really hard to work, you know. So the, yeah, the, the, but really the best thing that you can do is, uh, I mean, you can try to deal with it and try to find a way to get in some work. Um, but like you said, it's, it's, you know, the best thing to do is just to plan like you're not going to get a lot of work done. So maybe, you know, your finances or whatever you need to do to plan that out. But um, yeah, but it also depends on um, why you're traveling, where you're going, because I've heard um, people basically living like nomads. I mean, that like translators work, could work being nomads. I mean, mm -hmm. not having a, a specific home and just go from one place to the next and visiting different countries. And I think if you plan it out well enough, it, it can work. I mean, it's definitely something that we can mm -hmm. do. Uh, we're freelancers, after all. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, the main problem, I think, is when you go back to, go back home. Yeah. Which right. makes it difficult. Yeah, I did the digital nomad thing for a whole year in Southeast oh, yeah. Asia. Yeah. Ah, right. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You know, it was. Uh, it's actually really easy to work when you live as a digital nomad because you, you know, the the people that you come across, um, you know, you cross paths with a lot of interesting people. Um, in, and indeed. Yeah, you know, so you can have some kind of social relationships as you're moving along, but. Like at some point, uh, you realize like, it's like, wow, I'm not going to see any of those people ever again, you know. So you you will meet with people for maybe a weekend, and then you you'll never see them again, and uh, and that's cool, you know. But uh, it has this effect where um, all the time that you spend in your social life back at home. Uh, now I'm an extrovert, and most translators are introverts. So maybe the translators are listening. They're like, "What do you mean, spend time with <laughs> people?" <laughs> Socializing. What is this? <laughs> yeah, what's that? Um, but uh, you know, the time that you do spend socializing, uh, you don't really spend that time socializing when you're traveling. At least a lot less. You know, so it's a, it's a more peaceful way of living and time seems to expand and so there's plenty of time to work and and see stuff and oh, travel cool. and but people from back home would probably spam you with emails all the time uh no not really you know like <laughs> uh, a few emails here and there you know but uh yeah i was posting stuff to facebook i guess to try and you know not have to do that that um, makes it easier yeah, 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 that really helped. Um, so I did write down some tips uh, for anyone who's considering to be a digital nomad. Um, so, and we can talk about each one, because I think you've done some, like, mini nomadic trips where you were working, right? I have. Um, I'm not sure if it really counts as being a nomadic trip, but I spent <laughs> a month and a half in, in Colombia uh, yeah. with my in-laws. So we were basically visiting family. It's my wife's family, which I'm not super familiar with, but does, I still, yeah, I still know who they are. I, I've still spoken with them before and stuff like that. So does that sure fall really under the, Does that fall under the family rule where you can't get your work done? Um, for, I think in in that specific case, it was easier for me because people mm -hmm. wanted to see my wife. Uh, she was going to work on her thesis at the time. Mm -hmm. And the whole time we were there, she hasn't done 
she hasn't spent more than an hour <laughs> on her thesis, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not surprising. But that, that, that was, no, and but that, that was also fine because her um, her boss couldn't actually spend any time on on her, her uh, on her work anyway. So he also got a bit of a holiday, and that was good for everyone. So she didn't actually need to do that work. Mm-hmm. But for me, I mean, I was. Yeah, I mean, people came to visit, they, they would pop in, like in the middle of a, of a translation, for example. I would go and greet them and, be, and perhaps, uh, perhaps spend some time with them. And then I'd be like, okay, um, if you'll excuse me now, I, I actually have to work. Because, um, yeah, that, that, that's also a thing in, that happens a lot in Latin America. People just pop in for a visit and they don't necessarily tell you in advance. Right, right. That's, that's fun, though. It is. It's awesome uh, for socializing and, and things like that, but uh, when you're actually in the middle of a project, it can be a disturbance. Right, right. Hmm. And maybe it's good for, for introverts to have people pop in. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forces you out of your shell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for listeners, Jill and I are definitely going to end up doing a show about the Myers-Briggs personality type test, <laughs> but not, not this show. Uh... Right. Well, uh, so my, my first tip was to, uh, to get a 3G or 4G, I guess we're on 4G now, internet stick, um, or possibly get a, like a really big unlimited plan or a 6 gigabyte plan on your phone and then use your phone as a hotspot. But that's not really the ideal thing because using your hotspot drains your battery really quickly. Um, so yeah, one of those USB internet sticks... Um, you know, in a country, ideally, where the coverage is really good. So, like, I, I had one in Malaysia, um, and I had one in Cambodia. But it is kind of the, the step one, you know, because then you can um, you can really work from anywhere, and uh, you, you just don't have any stress that way. So, the, you know, the alternative is to link together Wi-Fi spots. You know, so, like, let's say you're staying in a bungalow on the beach, um, and you've got Wi-Fi there, so you're able to work at your bungalow. Well, then you want to uh, move to another city or, or something, and uh, you get on the bus, and then you don't have any, any you know, connection. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get to your next hotel, and you have to go straight there. You have to go as fast as you can, and then you have to... First thing is, uh, do you have Wi-Fi? You know, and you're dependent on other people's stuff. And, you know, if their Wi-Fi breaks down, then you're like, hey, guys, the Wi-Fi broke down, the Wi-Fi broke down. You know, whereas if you have that that Internet stick, then you're just covered all the time and you can relax, you know, because like being connected all the time or, you know, having the ability to be connected all the time. A lot of people get stressed out by that. But if you're doing the digital nomad thing, it's actually something that can help you relax. Absolutely, yeah, because we're very dependent on the internet, especially, for example, uh, a lot of agencies are using their own CAD tool, which is server-based, so if you're working for uh, such an agency, you can't work for them if you're disconnected. <laughs> well, that, that's, um, you know, that, that's true, that, uh, that you can't, you know, work without internet if you're working with any of those tools, so that's, that's a good note. Um, yeah, the other thing that I was wanting to talk about was moving on weekends or Fridays. Um, so if you want to be a digital nomad and spend a year traveling, one of the first things you figure out is that you better move on weekends. So uh, Weekends? Why? Yeah. Uh, because you have to work during the week. 
basically. So, like, uh, I, I think that most digital nomads, because we did it in two, 2012, which was, we were kind of at the forefront of digital nomads, actually. Like, I think we met maybe two other people doing it oh. the whole, whole time. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Now, now there's a lot, you know. I guess in Asia, everywhere you go, there's people doing it now. But, um, and uh, I think that the, the first thing you think is, well, you know, I work on weekdays and then the weekends are for fun. Um, so let's travel to the next spot on Thursday. So that way we can spend the weekend there. But see here, I would argue that since we are freelancers, yeah. um, we are not necessarily limited to the, the regular weekdays. I mean, for example, I, I always try to have like two week, uh, two days off during a week, but to me, the whole concept of a week, of a normal weekday, like from Monday to Friday and then it's the weekend, it doesn't seem to apply uh, because, for example, I could work on Saturday and Sunday to help a client right. and I'd take, say, Tuesday and Wednesday off. Uh, right. So what, what's, what's there to prevent you from doing something like that? Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I guess you can do that. I mean, you can swap, you can swap days, um, swap days around, which is pretty cool. Um, I guess the thing that you really can't do is uh, be like, well, you know, I have this five-hour bus ride that starts at eight in the morning, and and we're gonna get there by one o'clock, and then I'm gonna work in my my hours, you know, and that, uh, that that's yeah. where you start to get into trouble because if you're doing digital nomad, it's like can kind of grind you down a little bit doing that, you know, and maybe if you're in your twenties, like now I'm in my my middle thirties. Darn it. And uh, I get tired. <laughs> and I, I was a little younger when I did it, but not, not a lot younger. But even then, it was a grind, you know, if, at first when you try to do that. Because then you arrive to the place, you know, you're tired because you've been traveling. And then you try to put in, you know, six, seven, eight hours of work. Oh, You know, yeah. and uh, it starts to get late, you know, it'll, it'll be suddenly 10 o'clock and you're still finishing up. And, you know, it's, it, it's not so easy to live like that after after a while so then if you That's... travel on a, on a weekend then you can really just play it cool if, if you're doing normal weekend weekday you know days and you're not gonna absolutely swap. yeah 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 then it can be kind of kind of nice because you just travel you know you get there you do your thing you hang out go exploring or whatever and uh, you lose you lose precious weekend time, but then it just makes everything so much easier. And then if you stay long enough, you have the next weekend there. So it's all good. Oh yeah, it's yeah. It's all a matter of planning and organizing your uh, your own schedule, I guess. Yeah. So did you ever work from the beach? Like, did you ever have a, a beach bungalow and then work there? No, uh, never. But I believe you mentioned at some point that you that. Uh, um, that you had to deliver a translation from a boat at some point. Oh, yeah, nice. Nice bringing that one up. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I had this customer in the United States, and, uh, you know, they're they're really big, and they're listed on the NASDAQ and all of that. And, uh, the you NASDAQ? Know, you can, yeah, yeah, on the, the NASDAQ stock market. Um, oh, I, okay. I, yeah, it might even be a different stock market. I'm gonna, not, not going to say the name of the company. But, uh, you know, they have like a big, you know, office building and I, you know, my company was their provider of translations for a long time. And uh, they knew that that I was in Asia, but I don't know if they, you know, knew that I was like 
at the very limit of trying to deliver this translation from a, <laughs> a boat on a river in Cambodia, and we were about to set off, and and I had to, you know, hope that we weren't going to leave too soon because I was, you know, trying to download this <laughs> file from the translation system. And <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so like, uh, I think if they knew that that was going on, they might consider looking for a different provider. I don't know, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, and it, but it, it turned out to be a great project. I mean, uh, the translator did great, and I, I revised it um, myself, and uh, you know, we iterated on it with the translator, and and we made a great project, and it got sent in on time, on some ridiculously tight deadline. <laughs> so <laughs> and you made it work, and it from worked a boat, from in the a middle boat. of a river. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So that's okay. That's tip number four. Um, no, three. <laughs> Tip number three is don't schedule deliveries on the same day that you have to take a boat or any other public transport. <laughs> That's a good one. That sounds like, like, a, fair, like a fair advice. <laughs> it is a fair advice, you know, because the first time you do things, you might think, oh, yeah, you know, the boat leaves at, at one o'clock and I'm, I, you know, I can deliver this thing at, at, at 12, you know, and it's like, no. <laughs> You're setting yourself up for for it. Disaster. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so let's let's interview Panos. Panos. So uh, let's let's go on with the with the interview with Panagiotis, a Greek translator, uh, joining us from Greece. Um, so how are you doing in 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 Greece today, Panos? Hi there. Hi everyone. I'm good. I'm nice. I'm in Sparta, actually. Uh, it's very hot in here. It's officially summer in Greece. Uh, so I can't wait to hit the beach later, maybe. Nice, nice. Yeah. You're yeah, going to hit the nice beach nice. today. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. First, yeah, yeah. First that's awesome. How far are you from it? Um, yeah, uh, half an hour. Somewhere like that, yeah. Nice. They go there every yes, day. It's nice. I try to, though with work it's not very easy to go there every day, especially on Fridays, weekends with friends. Yeah, but I try to go oh, as much cool. as I can. I that's, love the beach. That's nice, cool. that's nice. And that's kind of a freelancer yes. lifestyle kind of thing, you know, because, uh, I mean, today is uh, Thursday and, uh, you know. Oh, but wait a second, you're going to the beach. What time is it? It's uh, six in the afternoon. Right. right. And... Oh ah. yeah, we better finish Starting. up this interview yeah. quick because. Uh... <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. No hurry, no hurry. I can get the beach later at night too. Cool, cool. All right. Uh, well, uh, so now that we're all jealous of of living in Greece and going to the beach. Uh, yes. Mission accomplished. Yes, mission accomplished. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you've got an interesting story about how you got started translating. At least I think it's interesting. So uh, can you tell yeah, us like how you got you. started? Yes, it was some. Uh, so so and I was reading like always, and it was uh, the Harry Potter novels. I think the second book or the third book or something. And I was really fascinated by the translation of it. It was so awesome. So I was thinking what I want to do with my life. And it hit me. 
that I should follow translation. It combined all the things that I love, like books and foreign languages, English in particular. So after that, I knew that I should pursue translation studies, which, which I did. And I've never regretted it. Not a single day of my life. That's a cool story. So like, and, and was that translation of that particular Harry Potter book better than all the other translations of the other Harry Potter books? Like, was it, was it really notable compared to the other no, ones? I or? No, I think all of the translations are uh, as great as equal. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, in Greece, uh, some of the literary translators, uh, when they when they are assigned a novel, a series, they do all the translations. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if the Harry Potter novels are done by the same person, uh, but I think, yeah. Cool. Did you ever go back to that book that too. made you uh, start your, your career? Sometimes, to, to yeah, yes. the translation after your training? Yeah, 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 yeah. And sometimes I'm jealous. I want to be that good someday. I want to translate a literary book, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, which is difficult, yeah. So fingers crossed, maybe one day. Hmm. So that's a nice segue into the the topic that that we were going to talk about today in the interview, um, which is uh, specializing as a translator uh, versus mm -hmm. um, being more of a of a general translator. And uh, so, like, where where does literary translations fit in? Is I guess that's I guess that's specializing, yeah. right? Yeah. Extremely yeah. specialized, yeah. yeah. Extremely specialized. Although I don't know if you just uh, if it's a good choice just to be a literary translator in Greece. I mean, uh, with all the rates and the payment, mm -hmm. uh, you should keep your options open. Uh, but uh, as as because, a woman, uh, yeah, our literary translator is um, regularly paid late in Greece. Then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the donut months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late payments, they don't earn much. Um, and it's a, a lot of uh, great work to, to to translate a book, a lot mm -hmm. of effort. You know, it takes a lot of time, which sometimes people don't realize. But uh, it's a great deal of work, yeah. Right, to be done. right. Uh, but, uh, but I hope things will change because... Uh, it's a very nice experience to translate a book, I think, and see your name printed, because we don't get a lot of uh, fame. Let's right. put it that way. Hmm. Translators don't get a lot of attention. No, no, no. Just when something goes wrong. Unfortunately. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they always point out the wrong, especially interpretation. <laughs> yes, they always, they always. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huh. It's my life, yeah. So uh, we like clients. But with, so with literary translations, uh, it, it seems to me like you could also specialize in particular types of literature too, right? Like you could be a, a like fiction, role. yeah, 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 fiction or maybe poetry. Uh, yes, yes, I think you can actually. Yeah, yeah. A specific writer, for example, some people translate only a specific writer. Hmm. Cool. That's kind of like uh, like the actors that voice over to, you know, like they, they'll just have a specific uh, specific actor that they voice over. Although translating a book is not yeah, to yeah. be compared with voice over dubs. OK, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Never done. Not Never the writing done. style, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Huh. 
So, uh, so then in terms of specializing and generalizing, um, you mentioned in your Zing interview that, that you like to do different kinds of content. Now, Jill also wrote a, wrote an article, uh, on the blog actually about just that thing about, um, you know, you can make more money specializing, well, in theory, um, but he likes to do general content too. So maybe you guys can talk about that because the, the two of you know more about that oh. than I do. The thing is, well, I, I, I think I, that if you specialize, then you only translate, for example, fin uh, financial documents. The, the types of, trans of translations that you're going to receive is going to be always the same thing. So I think eventually you'd get bored of it. And since we're freelancers, we have the freedom to, to choose our projects, to work on many different things. So I think we should take advantage of that and perhaps try to, to expand a little, um, even if it may not be the optimal way of getting your income and charging the highest rates possible and stuff like that. It's also important, I think, to do stuff that you enjoy. Yes, 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I agree, I agree. You know what? Uh, I'm really new to this field, so I don't know much. Uh, but when you start as a freelance translator, you should keep uh, your options open. You should never turn down and reject documents uh, and types of text that you're not very familiar with because you may like it very much. You never know. Mm -hmm. So you should try to explore Indeed. all options, all fields, and then uh, year by year, you should specialize if you want to. I know it's very important to specialize and use a specific catch for example, Trados, um, because you can earn more money, yeah, because uh, clients will choose you for that specific specialization. You're, very, you're more experienced, of course, but uh, I think you like the excitement then. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a you lifestyle know, choice. When you get assigned to a different, <laughs> to a different project, a different jargon, a different uh, field, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Something that's I, the excitement of the that, profession. Indeed, uh, that's something I realized a few weeks ago. Is that, um, for example, if you choose a topic that you want to specialize and you put in your profile and stuff like that, and uh, all over the web, and you, you say, ah, I specialize in those fields and I do this only. You might miss out on other things that you might enjoy but just haven't thought of. Uh, for example, a few weeks ago, um, an agency uh, I tend to work with sent me a, a, a translation offer for an interview. It was, um, it was about sports. I, I'm not a very big fan of sports, but I found the translation of the interview itself not to be very technical, and it was quite enjoyable as well. So, you know, I mean, by uh, by focusing on only a few select fields and closing your options, you're yeah, you're cutting yourself off from other possibilities that you may not have thought of. You know, I wonder if it's not like a life arc thing, to like uh, because so so. How old are you, Panos? I'm 24. Ah, oh, I wish I was 24 Pause. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and and Jill, you're like you know 20. What? Don't be jealous of me because. 95% yeah. of times people think like I'm 27, 29, 30, oh. like always, always, ah, okay. always, always. Right. You know, I don't right. know why. Well, people, know. people usually think I'm like 28 or 29 and I'm 34, so I got the opposite thing going on. Really? Well, yeah, 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 I think so. Couldn't tell, couldn't tell. But, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a life arc thing though, and it's like, Okay, so like if you're in your 20s or, or even your early 30s, especially in Europe, uh, 
and uh, you know maybe it's like oh I like to translate all this general stuff you know uh, and I have a good lifestyle and I like my my work you know and I don't need that extra money that I could get by specializing in financial documents and cranking those out every day you know and uh, but then I, I don't know maybe things change like when when you have kids and then you have a, a mortgage on your house and then you want to have a you know a better car or you know whatever it might be you know maybe maybe those lifestyle choices later on in your life can make specializing more appealing maybe maybe and you know what sometimes i think we are forced to choose some specialties because you can apply to translation agents for example online if you don't choose uh, some fields of uh, specialization so even if i don't want to specialize i have to choose some fields Mm-hmm. Right, and no right. translation agencies throughout the world. So it's kind of imposed on us to choose some fields. Uh, but I'm not opposed to it. No, no, I'm not. But we should explore. Mm-hmm. We should explore, especially when you start out as a freelance translator. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I met a translator who was just, she was kind of, quote, specializing in, uh, oh, what was it? It was like social... Uh, Sciences? Um, I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Social sciences. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Uh, Social sciences, you know, but that's a pretty big field, too. You know, so like you can maybe it's a good idea to specialize in a really big field (laughs) where uh, where, you know, you know, okay, or like legal. I mean, we don't have the same laws. So I'm specialized in in which country which legal laws in South countries. I don't know. I'm yeah, specialized maybe. in UK law, in USA law, in France, in Italy's. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's courses, of course, a lot of seminars in our universities uh, that you get more familiar with jargon, with how you translate things and stuff like that. A lot right. of seminars. Yeah. Right. So, uh... So moving on past the specialized and generalizing thing, and probably it's related, you know, because everything is connected. Um, we were talking earlier in the in the podcast about this these rates calculators. Um, basically, they allow you to type in your expenses and uh, figure out how much money you want to charge um, for your translations. And uh, I guess we wanted to ask you, like, how do you calculate your rates and how do you calculate your expenses? Because every translator is their own little business, right? So... How do you do it? That's right. And it's hard. It's very, very hard. I'm not good at it. I won't lie. I'm not good at it. Uh, I don't know why. I'm still figuring out how to calculate. I usually charge per word or per page. Yep. Um, but when you start out, you have doubts. You don't know exactly how to charge amounts um, based on what. I mean, the time you spend, the quality you provide, uh, all these factors. Um, you should choose very carefully. But when you start out, I think you charge a little less. I don't know, maybe to um, have some work, um, people to assign your projects. Mm-hmm. But it's a very important factor. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very important factor. I don't know. Yeah, it's tricky. Isn't it's based it? on every. It's very tricky. It's very tricky. And I think it's uh, it differs from project to project. Mm-hmm. Because when you have tired clients, uh, let's assume you can charge as much as you can or you like. Right. I don't know. 
but when you work with translation agencies, uh, it's nothing of a fixed thing. Right. They tell well, you how much they're going to pay you per, per word. So, okay. So at zingware.com, you can find direct customers starting this summer. <laughs> Sorry. I just had yeah. to put that in there. Uh, yeah, you know, well, you know, the whole translator working their way up thing, though, like I've heard people uh, on the Internet saying like, oh, you know, you shouldn't tr charge lower rates when you first start out because of this and this and this. And, you know, to me, it makes actually it makes sense. You know, you, you get work in, you get some experience under your belt. And as you go, you raise your rates because that's the way that everyone else does things, you know, like every other yeah, position right, or right. job, you just work your way up, you know, and you. Your your salary goes up as time goes by, and I don't know that that makes yeah, yeah, sense yeah. to me. But it does, um, it does, does, does. It's like any other profession, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the rates calculator but, is is kind of interesting, you know, because you can because um, we we were talking about it, and we kind of suspected that that not all translators were maybe really good at managing their finances. Um, I'm terrible it, at it. I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah, cool. That's I'm cool, terrible. though, you know, like uh, <laughs> everyone's got I, I'm sure you're excellent at other things, you know, so it's <laughs> let's hope so. Let's hope so. But yeah, it's a very tricky. How, how, it's a very tricky how, how difficult? How difficult was it for you to set your uh, your initial rate? Because I remember when I started, I had no idea where to begin. My teacher uh, at university had given even as like a standard rate, but that was the standard rate in the UK, which seems to be lower than in the rest of Europe. So uh, how hard did you find, well, finding um, a reasonable rate to charge? I was at loss at first. I didn't know what was going on in the market, how people were charging um, their translation and their rates and stuff. Uh, so I started asking university teachers, some colleagues, uh, some people with a lot of experience uh, that helped me through all these years. Uh, but I started working in-house, so I kind of had an idea as what to charge. Ah, uh, right. Uh, what was, yeah, that was uh, a plus for me. But, for example, when you're a freelancer and you work with a lot of different countries, uh, you have to take into account uh, their rates and how much they're willing to pay because sometimes we think we deserve less and we should uh, say um, a smaller rate but they're willing to pay you more actually like mm -hmm. any other translator with more experience you don't know that so you're not lost what should you do I don't know it's hard it's hard yeah it's like game theory because when you say less yeah yeah, yeah. because when you say less some people will think that you're not as a good as a translator. You won't provide a good translation, mm. for example. But at the same time, by varying from one country to the other, you're still providing the same uh, the same type of work, the same quality of work as you would in other countries who might pay more. So I, I get what you say, and you're absolutely right. I totally agree with you that you should, uh, if you want to work uh, with a specific country, you have to adapt your rates. But at the same time, you might also consider the option of targeting a different country and um, orientating your marketing towards that that specific country to be able to charge more. I, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, guess, yeah, yeah, because you know what? No. Because in Greece, uh, things are hard right now. Yeah. So you can go asking uh, high rates and stuff to. I, I saw. 
I saw a comment earlier on social media uh, by uh, another Greek, Greek translator who said that the rates in Greece were lower than in India. Do you feel that that's true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's hard, wow. it's hard. Especially mm. for newcomers. Yeah, especially for newcomers. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know so, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's hard. And then you have the dilemma. Should I accept when I'm new to this field and I want to get some work experience, the low rates that some translation agents provide? Or should I say no? Because uh, it's not very professional, it's unethical. Mm -hmm. But people think you deserve that low because you know you spend so many years uh, reading and studying and going to university and college and paying and stuff like that. So you're in a dilemma. You don't know mm -hmm. what to do. Yeah. It's unfair to newcomers because we don't have the luxury to always say no. Yeah. You know what? We yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I just recently wrote an article, uh, it's not published yet, but it's will be published soon about, um, you know, tips for for raising rates and dealing with late payments and stuff like that. And one, one of the things that I wrote about was how it's really nice to have some savings. Um, because if you have, for example, a year's worth of savings, like skimpy, yeah, like you have your savings for a, a very skimpy surviving kind of year. Um, at least, mm -hmm. you know, it, it gives you a position of strength when you when you make decisions like that. But if you're just starting out, you probably don't have a year's savings saved up, you know, so then then it, it becomes even harder. Yeah, but when you have but some income, I... you don't feel that pressure. So maybe when you start out, you should do it part time and then full time. I don't know. Right, right. I mean, my age, we, I can do that. I'm 24. I can do some other things and uh, worked part-time as a and translator. I think what, I think what, what you did, Panos, was great to, to start working in-house uh, at first. So you get some experience and then you might go full-time freelance. So it allows you to, to, yeah. Yeah, to get mm -hmm. some savings mm -hmm. and then yeah. develop your own business. Because, yeah, because it takes some pressure off you, off you because you don't have to uh, find direct clients, uh, have all this pressure, uh, see how much you're gonna charge, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you're it experienced, the it's a lot of pressure. It's all mm -hmm. Yeah, it's more like just translate and beach, yeah. and translate yeah. right. and beach. <laughs> paradise, paradise, translate and beach. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's yeah. paradise. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I don't know, thousands and thousands of miles away from the beach. So, uh, really? Yeah, right now. You guys, yeah. you should visit. You know what? You should visit. It, it, over to Greece? Yeah. Okay. It's great. <laughs> Summer in Greece. I live in Croatia, know. you know, like in Zagreb, uh, which isn't that far, you know. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Jill? I'm currently in the middle of, Argen of Argentina. So I'm a bit further really? out. <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Is it nice though? It's winter here now. So <laughs> you're talking about the sun and the beach yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And I'm freezing yeah. myself to death. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's like a game of friends. It is. West Thrones, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> oh man, don't get us started on Game of Thrones. We should started. do a different podcast for this one. Yeah, yeah, we need to do a different... You know, I yeah, listen no, no, to no. a Game of Thrones podcast once in a while, actually. Uh, well, okay. We What's that? 
we should start our own podcast about Game of Thrones <laughs> after the season finale. Yeah, 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 yeah. After the season finale, zing word Game of Thrones podcast. Oh man, <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where does it end? Awesome. Octorius Throne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. We have to wait. We have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, well, Panos, uh, it was a good show today. It was a great interview. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very, very much. Thank you for my match. It was so interesting. I really had a fun time talking to you guys. We should do it again, definitely. Yeah, you, you can be a regular guest. Yeah. Yeah, we're awesome to have you. And I promise I will bully people into listening to us, okay? I will yes. find a way to bully people. Yeah. So oh. do not worry. Do before, we, before we're out, you know, like, uh, maybe you should, what, What's your Twitter handle? Uh, my handle? What do you mean? Oh, your, uh, your Twitter username. Ah, username. It's uh, Panagiotis. Panagiotis. Mm -hmm. Lowercase N C. Space C. Panagiotis Space C. Okay, cool. So, uh, okay. for all the listeners out there, uh, Panos is a pretty good follow on Twitter. So. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Tweet, retweet, follow, like, whatever. <laughs> and if you liked him <laughs> in this interview, you should definitely follow Panos. And Zingward and Jill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all, all of us. Zingward Pala, Zingward Pala. Yeah, and then retweet this, you know, like three or four times. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Did I lose every follow? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we get marked as spam because there's so many. <laughs> Deactivate their account and stuff like that. Kill it coming, kill it coming. All right. Well, thanks for coming on Thank the show so and uh, enjoy the beach. Yeah, you better Thursday. get going. Yeah, yeah. Have fun. Okay. I'll tweet some photos, or maybe not. Uh... <laughs> Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you so bet. much, guys. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right.